Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a very interesting and I think you'll find very thought-provoking subject, and we're going to entitle this Gatekeepers Inside the Israeli-Palestinian Pro-Peace Movement. What is this? What are we talking about? And what directed us, I guess, actually to do this program was from the Israeli activists and internationally known jazz saxophonist, he's worldwide known, Galad Otzman, and his exposure of one of these gatekeeper organizations, actually. There was an attack against our friend Allison Weir of If Americans Knew, and she's the author of a very powerful book entitled Against Our Better Judgment, The Hidden History of How the U.S. Was Used to Create Israel. And she even gets into the involvement of Zionist to get us into World War One, and so it's very fascinating. And we found that when someone is acting in this peace movement, you're going to get attacked by somebody. And so this particular attack against Allison Weir was done by Jewish Voice for Peace, at least their leadership. They sent out a secret memo to their members, and according to Gilad Otzman in a story written here on June 18th, and we'll provide all these links, he said, quote, a month ago, Jewish Voice for Peace issued a call for hirim, and in Hebrew that means excommunication, against the remarkable activist and writer Allison Weir. The call was distributed internally amongst JVP's chapter leaders and was leaked to me by a few JVP dissenters. The publication of the call led to a massive surge of resentment towards JVP within the dissident movement. JVP was compelled to explain their move, and Allison Weir, in a very good response to the accusations, by JVP, which were also picked up by another activist group, U.S. Campaign Against the Israeli Occupation. Now, both of these groups, it's very curious, are against the Israeli occupation. They are very much pro-Palestinian, so it, it makes one wonder why would they be making such a charge against Allison Weir. JVP was claiming that she was anti-Semitic but because of associations with some marginal people that she appeared on their programs. There was nothing of substance in their charges. It was all character assassinations, and we'll talk a little bit about that because Chuck Carlson has had some personal experience going back as much as 20 years ago, but in 2004, we had a very significant event that I'll have Chuck talk about where we were kicked off a venue of a Palestinian solidarity movement event 
that was held at Duke University in North Carolina. So one of the things that uh, is interesting, I might just as an aside here, there is no question that humans love to control other humans. And if they don't agree with them, I mean, that's kind of a given. But I want to refer just to read a short quote from a very fascinating book by Victor Ostrovsky. It's entitled, By Way of Deception, The Making and Unmaking of a Mossad Officer. And, of course, the Mossad is the secret international division of the uh, Israeli government. And most people know exactly what the Mossad is and, and does. But he went through the training and to become a Mossad officer. And he had to say this, one of the lectures that he received, he actually turned against it and wrote this book, which is an expose of the Mossad. But this Ran S, he didn't give his name, delivered a lecture on the Sayanim, that's S-A-Y-A-N-I-M, a unique and important part of the Mossad's operation. Sayanim, assistance, that's what it means, must be 100% Jewish. They, they live abroad, and though they are not Israeli citizens, many are reached through their relatives in Israel. An Israeli with a relative in England, for example, might be asked to write a letter saying that person bearing the letter represents an organization whose main goal is to help save Jewish people in the diaspora. Could the British relative help in any way? There are thousands of Sanyims around the world. In London alone, there are about 2,000 who are active and another 5,000 on the list. So they play different roles, and he, he goes on to explain it. So, Chuck, why don't you tell us about your experience? Actually, if we go back to, we used to host a business briefing. This was a luncheon back in the early to mid-90s. Okay. Well, that's right. Innocent, though, we were at the time. We did host a little luncheon that did all kinds of things, and it was very middle of the road. And actually, we uh, we lost a lot of our audience when we started getting kind of Christian in our presentations there. But that's another story. One of the people who attended was a local lawyer, a kind of well-known older man. His name was uh, Friedman. And Mr. Friedman attended each and every meeting that we had, bought all of the papers that we published, everything I wrote he bought. He took it home with him. Sometimes he read it right there. One night he called me and he told me that uh, he had been assigned to watch us. And that he worked for a prominent, he was part of a prominent uh, international organization that was Jewish affiliated. And it turned out it was the Anti-Defamation League, the well-known ADL. He went on to explain to me that among those that he watched over, in addition to us, was a local college that was owned by the Baptist Church called Grand Canyon University. It's uh, since been sold to somebody else, and it's now a private school, for-profit school. But uh, at that time, it was a very Baptist school, and Mr. Friedman was even invited to attend our board meetings, which he dutifully did. And we happened to know a member of the board who confirmed this. Mr. Friedman told me that uh, he could not allow me to continue to write the kind of things I was writing. And I asked him very plainly how they went about trying to stop me to do, from doing this and what their methods were. And he didn't tell me, but he did call me at home a couple of times to kind of alert me that he was watching. And uh, we didn't pay much attention. It was about uh, two years later 
that we were uh, invited to uh, participate in an ex extremely important event on the campus of Duke University. It was the national annual meeting of the Palestine Student Association. It had members from all over the country there, and it was scheduled to be a very large event. Duke University had taken the aggressive move to sponsor this program because it was much objected to by many very powerful lobbying groups that were against the Palestinian people. I was invited because of a mutual friend whose daughter went to school there, and she happened to be on the board. And by careful efforts, she managed to get me on, both as running a workshop and giving a speech on a topic nobody knew anything about at that time, and that was Christian Zionism and how it's supporting the anti-Palestinian movement. And I popped up on the agenda at the meeting, and immediately I got calls, and it turns out that this same Anti-Defamation League had put together a dossier on me, and they proclaimed that I was the world's worst anti-Semite, and that uh, they demanded I be removed from this speaking program. Now, here's where the gatekeepers part comes in. It turned out that one of the student associations involved was called the Palestinian Solidarity Movement, and the Solidarity Movement had a broad, was kind of a uh, broad umbrella organization that worked on campuses, and uh, it turned out that they had uh, some Jewish people on that board of this Palestinian organization, and uh, they ended up having to take a vote as to whether or not I would be allowed to speak, and the board of directors voted that I would not be. Another uh, Palestinian man named Mazem Quinsaya, who was a professor at Yale University at the time and was kind of an arm's-length friend of ours, he was also challenged, but the rest of the, the group was left strictly alone. It was me and Mazem who were challenged, and in the end they compromised. They said, well, you can keep Mazem, but get rid of Carlson. Now, what this was all about was gatekeeping. Way back to our little business briefing that we held, uh, where we talked about all kinds of things, economics and all kinds of issues and political. We had politicians come in and speak, all kinds of broad issues. They targeted us because of what we were writing at the time, and they had someone inside. And that had turned out to be a dossier on me, and it laid there idly because they really didn't care what happened at the business briefing with its 40 or 50 luncheon people every month. But when we came to a meeting with thousands of students at Duke University, and they were all going to get to hear about what Christian Zionism was and how powerful it was and how it was influencing everything they were trying to accomplish. This was too much for the gatekeepers, and they came right out of the woodwork and through this Anti-Defamation League's dossier, which, which of course, were unsupported, but uh, which said whatever they wanted to say, that was how they did it. Now, the same thing is happening to Allison Weir, and we happen to know Allison, and she is an extremely successful person in terms of her influence. And we'll get into that a little later. Chuck, I just wanted to add a couple things here. One of the interesting things that they did allow at this Duke conference was the discussion of sanctions or divestment. At the time, this was over a year before the Palestinian call uh, I don't know how many, there were 170 civil organizations in Palestine that called for boycotts, divestments, and sanctions. But they did allow that discussion to go on there, but they did not want to hear about Christian Zionism because that is a large support base, as as we know, any regular listener here 
to our podcast will know support the Zionist state of Israel. And I think it's interesting. Also, I'm going to refer the the actual article here, but Galad Osman, who is Jewish, although he says he's no longer Jewish, he lives in the United Kingdom now, but he plays all over the world. He's been on an extensive tour lately of playing a saxophone and giving some amazing speeches. So one of the things that you'll want to listen to his speech entitled The Jewish Solidarity Spin, which is quite fascinating. He certainly is a lone wolf. But in an article on July 4th by Gilad Atzman, that's spelled A-T-Z-M-O-N, it's entitled Hot Off the Press, How the Israeli Government Subverted the Solidarity Movement. And here's a quote. According to the Ynet Israeli article, Iran Shezu, Director of Policy and Strategy at the Root Institute, and he footnotes this as being an agency advising the Israeli National Security Council, the Strategic Affairs Ministry, and the Foreign Ministry, all of Israel. And he goes on to say, this Mr. Shazan had a clear message to his Israeli government. We need to recruit left-wing groups associated with BDS to control our opposition. The mission set by Sheju and the Root Institute was, quote, to divide and drive a wedge between the leaders of the BDS campaign, unquote. Then he goes on here. For Israel, the key is to, this is continuing with this quote by Shazan, for Israel, the key is to actually making a clear distinction between the extremists and the rest. The goal is to divide them, Shazan says. That means to be open to listen to criticism from moderate voices against the government in order to return the extremists back to their natural size. To achieve this goal, we explain to the government representatives that we have to operate with as large a base as possible, meaning recruit not only right-wing agencies and groups to the fight, but also left-wing groups who criticize the government, unquote. This clarifies the role of JVP within the movement and explains the rationale behind the campaign against some of our most profound pro-Palestinian voices. And he mentions Norman Finkelstein, Allison Weir, Daniel Bernboim, Jacob Cohn, and the, many others. And down a little further, Gilad says, we now know that our so-called Jewish allies have been negotiating with the Israeli government behind our backs while claiming to care for Palestinians and their plight. This is a textbook case of controlled opposition. And so he concludes there, but I'm surprised Shazan exposed his Seyanim, here's that word again, network, in our midst. I trust he knows what he's doing. That's a very fascinating. Uh, I might add, Tom, that I don't think you mentioned, but uh, Gilad Otsman is an Israeli. He was born there, and he served in the Israeli Defense Forces. Yes. His family still lives there. Yes. And he wrote an amazing book called The Wandering Who that gets into the the Zionist mind and the way they think and the tribal nature it's quite amazing, actually, 
And, of course, he is hated. And as an aside here, at an event, I think it was in New York, where he was to speak, he asked some of these pro-Palestinian organizations like Mondo Weiss and JVP if they would come and report on his talk there, but they didn't show up. The interesting thing, though, is the ADL did show up. And what was even more interesting, he said they actually reported what he said very accurately. <laughs> so they, they, uh, that's, that's kind of interesting that we have all this infighting and trying to neutralize somebody as effective as Alison Weir. I know her, her Facebook for If Americans Knew has well over 100,000 likes on it. So that means that there's some popularity that she is being very effective. Now, Tom, I want to talk about what I have written to this organization, the U.S. Campaign to End the Israeli Occupation. And what we've stated in our argument here is that really there's nothing of substance that they brought up. Uh, they brought up that the lady, and she's defended herself more than I think she needed to, really, because they had such such a, a weak case. She appeared on some guy's talk show program. Turns out that I've been on the same guy's program. He is uh, very much a motorcycle redneck. He's blunt-spoken, so he has all kinds of opinions. And they criticized Allison Weir, not for what she said there, but for what he said. And they simply said that she had failed to stand up and rebuke him in, on his own radio station. So therefore, she was guilty of saying everything he said. Uh, this is the kind of logic and argument these people used. The Anti-Defamation League used the same argument against uh, me, by the way, uh, in putting together their dossier. And I also appeared on this guy's program a couple of times, and Allison hasn't been on his program for five years. So this is all real old stuff. Instead, what I said to the U.S. campaign is that there's been some movement here that's been predicated based upon Allison Weir's success. When she appeared and came to Denver recently, she had no less than five appearances in three cities. They included churches, rotary clubs she appears at, things like that. She also flew from here up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where she was royally treated and ended up on the biggest afternoon news show on, the, on, the, on one of the national affiliates. And it wasn't on some talk show on, the, on this very prominent radio station in Sioux Falls. It was the newscaster who had her as a guest on his uh, noon news program. So this lady has a way of reaching people that comes from having very obvious credibility. And others know her, and so I won't say any more. Others might want to talk about that. But what we, what we have here is a case of these organizations being infiltrated by what Allison calls gatekeepers and what Mr. Otsman had another term for. And we didn't even know what they were when we ran into them. We, they were just spies who hung out in our meetings and, and listened to us. So this is basically the movement... And what they do is they neutralize the most effective people who are doing the most. And that's who their targets are. And they bend the organizations that they're a part of in order to do that. Of course, in the Anti-Defamation League, everybody knows exactly what their purpose is. It is defamation, so they're not even subtle. But Jewish Voice for Peace has done this. And so what we've suggested is that the campaign, the U.S. campaign, Maybe they should consider getting rid of Jewish Voice for Peace and uh, keeping Ellison Weir. 
Yes, because the, the U.S. campaign to end the Israeli occupation is a coalition of about 400 groups. None are very large. Probably JVP is one of the larger ones. Uh, yes, in 50 in, states. In the group. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I, I'd like to mention, guys, is I find it very interesting that the JVP had to go clear back a number of years to try to come up with something on Allison. And then, of course, the obvious question is, why now? Yes. If, uh, if this was so vitriolic and it was such a terrible offense five years ago, why didn't they uh, discuss it then? Why are, they, why are they bringing it up now? And if, uh, if anyone wants to go to if Americans' new uh, website and, and just put in the search field, JVP, you'll get the whole thing about uh, their accusation against her, her uh, response to that, and also many, many responses of support to Allison, a lot from uh, JVP members who are no longer JVP members uh, because of their attacks on Allison. And we might add that we know personally uh, have worked with JVP members, and they've been fantastic. So it's not certainly a representation what their leadership is doing, thanks to some dissident voices in the JVP that this letter, which they were trying to to keep hush-hush, that would ostracize, excommunicate, if you will, Allison Weir, was exposed. And we can thank Gilad Otsman for his part in this. Our own letter will uh, will go out uh, shortly as soon as we get uh, manage to get delivery of it to the person who it's addressed to, which is a leader in the U.S. campaign. Well, this is uh, kind of an overview of, of the subject, ladies and gentlemen, and we hope that you will do some further investigation on your own. We'll give you links. So we thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.